Welcome to Offbeat Tracks, episode 111. That's three ones and one, one, one number. One. one, one, one. It's basically binary. It uh, is, except in, well, if if, just, just if we counted our episodes in binary, that binary. would, yes, if we counted our episodes in binary, that would mean this was episode seven, which yeah, it no, is not. It's not, but it depends on how you look at it. Why don't you tell people, <laughs> why don't you let people live? How about okay, that one? Listen. That's what this, that's what this era of Offbeat Tracks says, now that we're in the 111s. The 111s. We're going to let people live and see things how they want to see it. You okay. Know, numbers, numbers are a spectrum. Let's do. <laughs> Hi. Hi, I'm Danielle. I'm Max. Nice. Uh, we are talking about M today. We are. That is a letter. A letter, not a number. It's just a letter. Yep. Well, it is a number in Roman numerals. Oh, damn it. Owned. You're right. <laughs> it depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, see? Everything's gray, people. Stop seeing the world in black and white. But M is basically a guy who has zero M's in his name. Oh, good point. I don't know why he's M. Actually, do, we don't know what his middle name is, do we? His middle name might be an M. It could be. Yeah, well, his real name's Robin Scott. Yes. Gonna, I don't know why I didn't look that up. Let me let me see. Robin Milhouse Scott. Like Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> Robin Milhouse Scott. <laughs> oh my God! What what if, if this dude's middle name is Milhouse? No. no. Doubt it. Uh, his middle name is Edmund, which has an M. That does have an M. So Edmund. Yeah, that's we'll a just pretty prominent M. We'll pretend that that's what the M is for, since we don't actually know what the M is for. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go with that, or, or it could just be for music. Knowing this dude, it's, it's probably more oh, likely for hell, music. That's no fun. We need a conspiracy theory behind it. Anyway, uh, this this is definitely an FBI case oh, God, that yeah, we're probably never going to find the answer to. <laughs> so, who is M. Robin Scott? We just answered the question. Moving on. No, I'm kidding. That would be horrible. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Least amount of biographical information we've ever given on this show. <laughs> we've given less information about M than we did about Du Piano in the last episode. <laughs> du Piano. Who we know nothing about. Exactly. Uh, okay. Um, M. Robin Scott was born in 1947 in Croydon, in uh, which is in Surrey, in, in England, in the United Kingdom. It's like uh, this cool area. Like I've, I've heard that Croydon is like super like hip. That it's like a really, really? cool like hip. Yeah, I used to, back you, when I started. You would hang out with hang with like cool people. Back when I uh, started getting active on Discogs back in the day, when I started like becoming a serious music person, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, that's, um, a, weird, that's a weird phrase. <laughs> one of the other moderators that I made friends with, I did eventually became a moderator on Discogs because that's what a giant massive nerd I am. Um, I remember one dude's name was Viva La Croydon. That was his username. And I just remember like, you know, being like 19 and thinking, wow, Croydon must be like a cool place. I don't actually know anything about it. So just from that experience, like it seems like there's like like cool subculture in Croydon. So from one guy on Discord. Yes. If M, if M and his cohort Malcolm McLaren are any indication, yes. then Croydon was a cool place. Yeah. So M was buddies with Malcolm McLaren. They went to art school together. Which is weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that weird and when you think like- about it. He was like friends with Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood. Because yeah. how British can we make this entire That's thing? right. It's like, I don't know how the British people that we talk about manage to be so fucking British. But they're so they British. It's like we don't want to talk about how British people are anymore. We don't want to. But the problem is they keep being so British. They're so British. They are the Britishest of the British. <laughs> crazy. Uh, so I'm actually going to roll a little clip here. Um, Robin Scott released an album, his first album in 1969, which is a trip to me. I guess I didn't. This dude is older than I thought he was. Uh, if I'm being honest, like because his first music didn't come out till 1979, so I assumed that he was quite a bit older. But so he would have already been like 32 years old when that yeah. was happening. Did not know that. So yeah, his first uh, record, he got a deal, I guess, on a small indie label. I don't know what the deal was, um, but he released an album in 1969 called 
<laughs> woman from the warm grass. Oh yeah. my God! Is uh, that the is that the I alternative title for yeah. the national anthem of I the United Kingdom? I don't care for that at all. Woman from the but, warm. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't care for that. Here's here's a clip from a, a single he released in 1969 called "The Sailor." That is uh that is about as British as it gets right there. I folks. love it. I love a piano rock. Love it. Yep. Little two Beatles for me. Never was the lyrics into the Beatles. are very dumb. The lyrics are very dumb. So Robin, I guess I don't know what happened with the record label he was involved with for that one, or if it was just an indie release or what the deal was. But he decided his next career move was to enter the Search for a Star contest in 1972. And I love Why this. Not? This is a total like rock star slash punk rock move. He won. But he turned down the EMI contract that he won as a result because they didn't want to sign his band that he played with. They just wanted him. And he was like, no, I'm, I have a band. And clearly that did not end up being the greatest decision for him as he would have a rotating cavalcade of people that he performed with once yeah. he did get signed. So it must have had a change of heart in the next seven years. I don't know what's up with that. But uh, yeah, the dude won a contest and then turned down the record label record contract that he won. Weird. So there you go. So um, weird. He got into punk by the late 70s, and I don't know if you saw this, but he actually released Adam and the Ants' first album. Yeah, I can tell. There's a lot of, I can tell from some of the stuff that there's there's a lot of overlap in some sounds here. Yeah, yeah, for for early Adam and the yeah. Ants stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and Adam, Adam Ant was super obsessed with like Malcolm McLaren and all of them too. Actually, Malcolm McLaren stole Adam in the Ants' band. He stole the Ants from Adam, which is funny. He stole the Ants from Adam. It's just, it's all intertwined. <laughs> he did. He stole the Ants from album from Adam and they became Bow Wow Wow. Yep, see, there you like go. Like Adam Ant was like, I've always wanted to meet you. I love you. You're awesome. He was like, yeah, I love you too. The also, music, now your band is mine. Go fuck the, yourself. The music industry in Britain in this era is just shockingly incestuous. Every time you Weird, just learn more it? and more things and you're just like, wow, all these people really just did sort of know each other and all hang like out in the same room together. They all lived in the same, in the same building. It's true. They all, it's, it's weird. So Robin Scott's first recordings as M happened in 1978, and he did these with um, Wally Badaru, Phil Gould, and Gary Barndale, who would later go on to form um, Level 42. Yes. Um, cool, which is right? a band that we love a lot. And also, I went in doing research, and I'm not going to bring it up too much here, but we might do separate episodes. There are a lot of little bands that came out of this with these people, mm -hmm. like little tiny new wave, like two, three release bands. That are awesome. Awesome. So maybe maybe we that. can do like a level 42 and cohorts band, sort of like we did with the Assembly and Absolute. Be, yeah, I mean, it might be. Yeah, that would be cool. So the first M single, best I can tell, was uh, Modern Man or Modern Man um, slash Satisfy Your Lust. I think on every release, it seems to just be like one big combined song. Um so this is like 1978, late 1978, and he he puts out this like super. It's very like post disco, right? Yeah. Well, apparently, which is weird because disco was like still a thing. <laughs> but well, from what I read, like this song was actually an earlier song that he did from like the earlier 70s, and I think it just kind of ended up on that album. It kept surviving, and I think they kind of reworked it a little bit. They did because if you listen to the album cut and you listen to the single version, they're yeah. quite a bit different. Like that album cut, I think, is like more the original of what was written. In early mid seventies, and I think that that uh, 
The disco-y one was one that was more flowy for the era because it is super so they're, disco. They're backwards. The disco-y I one think. is the one that ended up on the album. And then the real, oh, okay, the yeah. Rocky one is the single version. And the Rocky one is like very like, it's very rock. Yeah, <laughs> there's, it's there's, rock. there's no like electronic nature to it. It's not a vastly it. different song. It's just, no, but that version, I get why they reworked of... it for the album because it would have, uh, it would have sounded very out of place on, on M's first record. Yes, very much. But I love it. It's a perfect represent- representation of that time to me. It's like disco-y. The lyric melody is super new wave and cool and hip, but that background is just like a pure cheesy disco song. Yeah, it is. I think it's super cool. If you are clean, no sometimes, but really he's living on his knees because he's a man with no In 1979, M's first record, which was called New York, London, Paris, Munich. Everybody talk about Bob music. <laughs> that was not the subtitle. No, but you cannot um, say that without finishing the yes, line. You you're right, you're right, you're it. right. So that album came out in 1979, and the first single, no surprise, is pop music. This was a number one hit in the U.S., which I love. Um, number two in the U.K., and it was a top five basically across Europe. This was just a huge worldwide hit. Everybody loved this song. Everybody was talking about pop music. Hey. Talk about. I love uh, this song. And it's not because it's just a great pop song, but it falls in that class of songs where you cannot just sing it regularly. You have to sing it in a dumb voice. Yes. I don't know what it yes, is. You yes, can't just yes. be like, everybody talk about pop music. Like, no. no it's you like, have to do the whole, mix me a Molotov. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the headline. Yeah, you're right. My favorite line, <laughs> and one of my favorite weird lines that gets in my head more than any other song in all of me is boogie with a suitcase. I don't know. Like, if I hear boogie with a suitcase, it will be. Just, don't leave me with the disco. It'll be like, oh, what should I name my child? Boogie with a suitcase. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's just my, but you can't just say it. Like, just I imagining love it. like new parents in a hospital, like, oh, John, let's call him boogie with a suitcase. <laughs> That's a great name now that I'm thinking about it. So That's I, have an a, awesome name. I have a question. Hmm. Is this the first ever synth pop song? Because I feel like it might be. Good question. I mean, I think... This is 1979. So we're in agreement that this is a synth pop song, right? I think it is. I'm not sure it means to be, but I think it is. No, and see, that's kind of my point. Like, I don't think it set out to be something like... I, I don't think we knew what synth pop was yet. It was 1979. And like, you know, Vince Clark, like Depeche Mode, Yaz, all these things were like about to come the next year or two. But this just feels like I can't I could not come up with an earlier example of synth pop than this song, especially knowing that it was probably written in 1978. Yeah, I'm trying to think of man, it might be hit wise. I'm going to have to think about it. So, yeah, I mean, I funky town is very close right after this, but see, but it's not funky, but funky town is funk. Yeah, that's not a synth pop song. That's now, something this is really, I think, just accidental. The first synth pop song funky town ushered in what would become the dance music sound of the early 1980s. Yes, this is synth pop. I mean, it just it just is. I think one reason why it might achieve it, because like he talked about how he wrote it. He wanted to make a song that was like a summary of pop music of the last 25 years. Right, exactly. And like, but sounding new and like being like, look, disco brings people together, which is hilarious to me. Right. But because you know, at the time it was incredibly it divisive. It's, yeah. 
it's written with like this kind of cool stuff, but it's written like a pop song. So it sounds like a pop song. There's a lot of stuff that was like this, but it wasn't written as pop music. It was written as new wave or right or, or yeah, or it disco. tried to do something unusual. I you just know, it was other than maybe his delivery. I don't I don't really think there's anything like alternative or new wavy about this. I mean, it's just a straight up pop song. Yeah. And and I think I really think it is the first synth pop song. And should be respected. I'm not as disagreeing such. with you. I just have to think more about it. But I think that's a very good little point. follow-up single to pop music was called Moonlight and Muzak, which was a song I had never heard before we uh, did this episode, did did the research for this episode. It was a number 33 hit in the UK. I don't think M ever charts again in the US, by the way. I don't think so either. I'm not sure he ever um, visited. Yeah, so Moonlight and Muzak is kind of this weird blend of like new wave and like there's like some bossa nova thrown in there. And the like disco is there still. Uh-huh. Just there's a lot going on like in this a song. Weird, a little rock, like there's a decent mm-hmm. guitar in it. I was kind of blown away by this song. I really love it. Really? And I can't tell. I can't put my finger on why. Like it is like a, like it's danceable. It's not completely boring, but it's not. It doesn't go hard. It's like, I don't know. It's like kind of ephemeral in a way, but still fun. It's not like a. I don't. I can't explain why I like it. I just really, really like it. It sounds dated. It is not modern at all. It sounds no. dated and it's cheesy and it's super Euro in a lot of ways. But I mean, it's called Moonlight Music. I'm just saying that I would be willing to fall in love to this song. It will not well, happen. There you go, folks. Am I the man you wanted to be? We've made it into 1980 now, and one final single off of this album entitled That's the Way the Money Goes, which did reach number 45 on the UK charts somehow. I roll. Um, I love that the backup singers that were on pop music are still here. Yeah, he's just like single. got these two chicks, and they don't smile. They don't do anything. They just wear really dark lipstick and go pop yep. and things. And they're sampling Pop Goes the Weasel here because, of course, they are. They're like, oh, what's a cool thing to sample if you're in England in 1980? Right. Pop Definitely Goes the Music. Pop, pop goes, goes the Weasel, right. Um, and Adamant I, also. <laughs> pop Goes the Music. That was a funny Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> pop Goes the Music. The music video is super weird. There are, like, naked ladies running around wearing giant checks, and there's an Albert Einstein-looking dude. I don't know, and I don't know if it's just because the word money happens to also be in the title, but like I feel like there, it slightly is recalling Pink Floyd's money, or at least the yes. feel of it. Did you get that and as like well? Like the little popper children? Yes. With like the dirty faces? Yeah, you know, something like, like that. I don't know, it's like a... This one gets a big whatever from me. I just don't, it's so British that I'm just It is like, very British. Maybe this is a joke that you only get if you live in Oxfordshire. Under your pillow at night. 
money goes. So it was not super long until M released uh, the their follow up. I don't know. Do we call them there? I guess it's I kind of a there. It's a collective. Okay. So the the follow up album is called the Official Secrets Act. Mark King of Level Forty Two, by the way, is on board for this record. So basically, he he has almost all of Level Forty Two working with him on this. So this is basically <laughs> kind of the first Level Forty Two album. It's, it's a um, weird thing. Plus Robin Scott. Um, and I guess he decides to do he did he does a theme album which. Concept albums, theme albums, they're they can be very hit I'm or trying miss. Trying to figure out how to get my eyes to roll higher, like, I'm gonna, like okay, I'm pull a muscle. Are you just repulsed by concept albums as a, as a concept? I don't know. It's just like it's it if it's done really well and in a certain way, it's okay. Yeah, but that's about point zero 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 two percent of concept albums. All right, all right. Um, so yeah, he tries to do this whole thing around espionage, and I, I saw, I, I don't remember an interview I found with him or something, where, you know, I read a lot of crap preparing for these <laughs> episodes, <laughs> and, and like, I, I don't know, he seemed to think that like at the time that espionage was something that was like on a lot of people's minds, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't alive in 1980, but I, is that a thing? Were, do, were people in, thinking like, about idea. spies? I mean, just maybe the entire thing of like the Cold War and like I Russia, guess maybe in that. I don't know. Sense. That was just a different idea to me that I'd not I'd not ever heard maybe anyone he just bring has up before. An, maybe he just has an obsession with spies and he's projecting it on the rest of the world and created an album around right. it. Right. So the first single is essentially the title track. It's called "Official Secrets." Um, he this goes much more synth poppy than anything we heard yes. on the on New York, London, Paris, Munich. Um, he's got like these space sounds in it. It's it's I mean I guess it's kind of new wavy, right? It is. Yeah, I think it's like more new wavy than anything else. It's not the hardest new wave. To me it's just forgettable. I felt nothing listening to this. It was just like if I turn on like a new wave Pandora station and it's a song I don't know, this is what the song sounds like. <laughs> and I never know who it is and I never remember it. But that's what this is to me. That's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. Keep It To Yourself was the next single, and um, this is, like, way gothier, like, mellower. It's not my thing. I um, can't. But he's still, he still again, with the espionage theme. Well, it's a concept album. He's yeah. stuck to it now. He yes, has this idea, did. and it doesn't matter what ideas he might have after. He committed himself to this. <laughs> also, I just think it's so bland. I just, I can't do it. Like, I remember listening to it when we were preparing, and I was like, no, Robin, keep it to yourself. It's <laughs> actually what I said to the TV when I was on. Keep it 
Speaking of committing yourself. <laughs> so this song, Maniac, there's a lot going on here, right? So I it's, fucking love it. Like, it starts with this guy going, and like... <laughs> <laughs> this I'm signed up for. I am into yeah, it's like this. The, like the the 1980 precursor to Scatman John, right? Like, <laughs> I don't like. I felt like this is this song is sort of like about acting crazy to avoid suspicion. Is that is that kind of the impression you got from it? Maybe. Like, I just think like it rocks. In the, the if we're going if we're running with the espionage concept album theme here, like here you've been captured by the enemy and you're feigning insanity so they won't question you anymore. That's sort of the impression yeah, I got from been, it. Or like, like you know, a madman theory. Not to bring Nixon into it again. I'm just gonna. How many times can I mention <laughs> Nixon in an M? He does live on your it's arm. Like a madman theory, kind of a thing. Maniac. It is a crazy song, but I really like this one. I'm not bored for once. I also got to say the the early 1980s slasher movie Maniac. Huge missed opportunity here. This could totally have been the theme from it. Wow, good one. So we jump ahead a couple years here to 1982, and M slash Robin Scott would get a lot more synthy and a lot new wavier, um, and in some ways a little bit dancier too. Oh, I love it! Um, yeah. This this single Danube isn't quite there yet with the dance music, um, but he still got he's still working like with a female vocalist doing the majority of the vocals on the song. Um, and, but he's got like this, these like pipes and like kind of these other like world music sounds like start coming in. Like a belly synth kind of, like a bell synth kind of a thing. <laughs> belly what synth. I, really, I know, belly synth. <laughs> no, what I like about like pop music, what I think sounds so good about that is that it's quirky and it's fun and it's silly. Like it's not just a song, it's fun and it's silly and it's quirky and that's part of that noise. I think he's getting back into it here. Like this song is very silly in a lot of ways, but I really like it. Super Euro. It but is. it's like, I don't know, it's really cool. Like, I think he's going back to that kind of like, it's got little bouncy, silly elements, and I like it. Danube was kind of a stopgap single. Um, he did, however, in 1982, release his third record, um, which would be the last record as M, um, called Famous Last Words. So, very fitting. Um, <laughs> he the committed fir- himself to it. <laughs> Again. <laughs> the first single, oddly enough, was the B-side to Danube, but Danube does not appear on this record. I don't really understand how the politics of that. Um, but it's this super awesome, really upbeat new wave song called Neutron. It's cool. Yeah, I was I, I was it. really into this one. Yeah, it's like a crazy little tribal rhythm thing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just cool. It's fun. It's, it's know, very like fun. The tribal stuff. It's very energetic. It's it's yeah. it's almost um, Thomas Dolby esque. Yes, I'll give you that. It's just so fun.
And then one final single off of this called Eureka Kaka, <laughs> which I love saying. Another uh, silly one. Yeah, and very much a hallmark of the times. It has the Fairlight Ah that we uh, very yeah, much yeah, associate yeah. with the art of noise, but it's all through this track, and I'm very here for it. I, yeah, I love I this one. I really, I don't know if I love this one, but I can't tell if I, it's one of those in the middle I'm listening to, and I have to like get to know it more. Mm. I can't tell if I love it or I hate it. It's one or the other. This one and Neutron are my two fave M songs that are not called pop music. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very popular list. And just one I wanted to touch on here. He technically did not release this under the M name. Uh, he released this under his real name, Robin Scott. But he did a, a, a joint album with Ruichi Sakamoto, who is a, an experimental Japanese musician. And uh, I just thought that was super cool because I think Ruichi Sakamoto is cool. So I wanted to play a little clip from that. The album was called uh, The Arrangement. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. The album was called The, the Left-Handed Dream. This song is called The Arrangement that I'm going to play a little clip from here. Wow. There you go. If you're looking for something a little darker and hearing Robin Scott doing something different at that, but at that same time, uh, there you go. The album Very with different. Ruichi Sakamoto. I, I just wrote, I can't in my notes because <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't get to that Congratulations one. Congratulations if you can, um, but I can't. So Robin would uh, keep releasing music over the next couple of years, but he kind of got into like world music and world beat music. He kind of did the Paul Simon thing where it was like, I'm going to go to Africa and then make a concept African album, except... Um, it's not as good as Paul Simon's <laughs> African stuff. <laughs> well, we can debate on whether the Paul Simon. Oh come on! Stuff is Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes fine, is awesome. But I'm just saying, like, I'm eye rolling about it. But it's okay. I don't think it's as good as everyone thinks it is. Um, the album was that album, the concept album, by the way. If you want to listen to it, it was called Jive Shakisha. I think is how you pronounce that. Um, it was recorded in the early '80s, but it didn't get released until the '90s. That's I'm cool. not sure what's up with that. Um, but it is out there. You can find it um, if that's something you want to listen to. However, Robin did resurface just last year and put out a new album. Best I can tell, it's his first one since this Jive Shakisha album, which even though it came out in the 90s, was technically released like over 30 years ago or recorded over 30 years ago, rather. So this is we're going to call this his first album in over 30 years. <laughs> um, and it's on Spotify. It's called Emotional DNA. So he, he actually is doing modern things you can listen to. And I listened to it. It sounds pretty much exactly like you would guess. Um, really? It's yeah. It's not super electronic. It's it's more singer songwritery. Ah, okay. Um, but it's it's not experimental. I wouldn't call it. It's just it's very soft rock singer songwritery. Does he do all the songs have boogie with a suitcase? <laughs> <in them? laughs> I, I didn't listen lot. to all of them, so I, don't I can't know confirm. What it but means. I don't know what boogie with a suitcase means. I just know it is my motto of life. 
Boogie with a suitcase. It is a way better way to describe like leaving for a trip, right? Like, oh my god, that'd be a tattoo. Like, what sounds cooler? Like, well, I'm going to Florida next week, or like, I'm going to boogie with a suitcase next week. <laughs> like, obviously, choose the second one. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of a boogie with a suitcase tattoo, like a. Ooh, you could do um, a boogie from um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and you could have like bo- boogie coming out of the suitcase. There you go. That's a boogie with a suitcase tattoo. You're welcome. It's possible. Signed. We'll think about it. Signed. Copyright. Over to you. Be, have the other side of it. Have like the Nixon Bowie tattoo. Enough questions about that one. But if we get a boogie with a suitcase, can yes. you Yes. If you that? get boogie from Nightmare Before no Christmas popping, ever... popping out of an old like trunk. <laughs> yes. I love it. Anyway. If you would like to boogie through any of our old episodes, you can do so on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. You can almost also email us there. Yes. Um, but if you want to put it in a suitcase, you have to print it out yourself. We will not print it out to put in your suitcase. Yes, correct. Because, um, you know, we just, we can do what we can, but please, we can't do it Please do, do not all. print things and send them to us. You can just email us. <laughs> yes, just, just email. We're also on Twitter, at Offbeat Tracks. Yeah, so boogie on into our mentions and uh, tell us what you think boogie of... Boogie with the minchies. <laughs> boogie with the minchies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. See you then. See ya.